Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, coaches. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is episode number 17. On this episode, we're going to be interviewing Coach Greg White. He's the head boys basketball coach at Bentonville West High School in Cedarton, Arkansas. Let's talk about our sponsors. Championship Productions Incorporated produces the world's best basketball instructional videos and DVDs featuring the top basketball coaches and athletes with an extensive catalog of basketball videos and DVDs produced for basketball coaches, parents, and athletes. Championship Productions is internationally recognized as the industry leader in basketball instructional videos, books, and guides, and is regularly distinguished for its first-class customer service. Check out our product descriptions and customer reviews to select the best basketball instructional videos in the world. Listener support. Please donate to my podcast. Uh, i got to keep it going. And uh, by doing that, you will really help us keep this uh, Championship Vision podcast going. I appreciate your support. Coach Greg White. Coach Greg White has over 15 years experience coaching basketball as a head coach on every level, from club teams and youth teams to junior high and high school level. Currently, Coach White is the head coach at West High, West Bentonville High School in Northwest Arkansas. The school opened its doors in 2016, and Coach White has led them to the state tournament both years in Arkansas's largest classification. He has been a speaker for USA Basketball Coaches Academies on the topic of building a program and leadership. He is a staff member for Snow Valley Basketball School in Iowa and also a contributor for Fast Model Sports. He has two sons, Hayden and Evan. Let's welcome Coach Greg White. Coach White. Yes. How are you? This is Kevin Furtado. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? Good, good. I, I, I sure appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I know you're a busy man now. Oh, it's fun, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, and um, I've really enjoyed – I listened to a couple podcasts you were on. I really enjoyed uh, – I really actually – uh, picked out a lot of different things and so forth that you're doing in your program. And uh, I just appreciate you taking the time to come on. So thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, it's, it's a busy time of year, but what I'm finding, and I think you'll agree and most coaches listening will think it too, is man, you get energized talking basketball with, with good people and it always seems like it makes our workouts better the next day. And so uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a fun thing. So I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And I, I, I got to tell you a little bit, um, 
I, this is my 30th year of, of coaching and um, I've always wanted to just kind of share with coaches. I run a lot of clinics and uh, I always want to do a podcast. Cause I tell you, like you said, every time I, I finish spe- uh, listening to uh, a coach, man, I'm always adding things into my program and my playbook, uh, everything. So I, I really enjoy it. I, I do it because I, I just have a passion for the game. I love listening to you guys. Hey, Greg, tell me a little bit about yourself. And, um, I, you know, I've done a lot of research on you. Tell the listeners about your background. And were there any coaches along the way or teachers that had a big impact on you? Yeah. Um, so this, I'm starting my 17th year. And, uh, you know, I guess you want the best places to go back to where it all began. And uh, my uh, – my father passed away when I was five. My mom never remarried. And so you, as you can imagine, coaches were a big, big part of my life, um, filling a void. And of course I had uncles and all those, those men that, that were great to me, but I really fell in love with the game of basketball too, as it, as it felt that void. And, you know, and I tell people the guy I call on father's day first, uh, was my, was my first real coach, you know, and, and that's who I call. And, and uh, the first year I got a call on Father's Day from a former from a former player, you know, it, it really got me. And uh, you know, and that's why we're doing this. A lot of I, I joke and tell people my my the fun part about my job is there's a scoreboard and we get immediate feedback whether we're doing our job or not. You know, we don't have to wait for a semi annual review or annual review. We find out right then. And but that's not all of it. You know, we a lot of the stuff we're doing we won't know for you for years about the impact we're making. And, but it started for me at that point, just early on, um, really, really falling in love with the game, appreciating what my, uh, my coaches did for me and wanting to, wanting to kind of follow in their footsteps. Um, the funny thing is I, I tell people this all the time. I'll never be the best coach in my family. Um, my aunt has won five state championships She's a phenomenal teacher of the game, great person. And so I was, I told, you know, if I could just be half as good as she was, I'd still be better than half the coaching population. <laughs> so, uh, right. but you know, we're a coaching family, uh, both of uh, my son, uh, oldest son just graduated. He's going to college. He wants to become a coach. Uh, obviously my aunt, I just mentioned my two cousins, uh, her, both of her kids are high school coaches now. And so it's, a. Uh, it's in our blood. You know, it's what we love to do. Um, Thanksgiving pickup basketball games are always fun when I was a kid. And really just really fell in love with the game and, and stayed in love with it for a long time. Absolutely. And I, um, you know, I, I tell you what's interesting is uh, there's always somebody along the way. I, I, I don't know who I've, I've spoken with, every single coach mentions another coach that has had a big impact on them. And I, I actually call the impact we have uh, my players living trophies. Yes. Um, and, I, and I love that term because I have players – I guess I'm getting old enough now, Greg, where my players are married now. <laughs> um, and that's sad, man. I have gray hair now. Uh, but um, I love it, though, when they come back and say – and you, you know you had an impact, and uh, that 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 means it all. It's not about the the wins and the losses, Coach. Tell me about your uh, your feeder program. I really, man, I was writing down so many notes about 
what you're doing with your feeder program. I work at a K-12 school and I'm on campus in a charter school, so it's small. But tell me about what you're doing because I love to pick your brain on that. We, uh, you know, and, and it comes across, it's funny, when anytime you get talking with something about passion, people always talk about you're going to do one or two things. You're either going to cuss or cry. And uh, I get to talk about basketball a lot and I'll tear up and talking about impacts on my life. But I, um, I've been very fortunate, you know, just like a lot of us that have got had guys and met guys that have poured into us. And uh, I'm, I'm so lucky to call Don Showalter, not only a friend, but a mentor. And, you know, I, I tell people he's the greatest high school coach ever. And, you know, what he's doing with USA basketball and I, he's, you know, allowed me to, to be a small part of that. And I've really just fallen in love with what they're, what they're all about, what they stand for. The big thing, you know, when most people hear USA basketball, you think of the 12 guys we see on TV going to the Olympics. And, and that's not it at all. That's just the peak of it. USA basketball is trying to um, trying to become like the rest of the world. You know, we all grow up not wanting – like. Most of us, I would say, I think if you poll most of the kids and you say, what's your number one goal in basketball, they're going to say play in the NBA or play in the WNBA. And it's not like that in other countries. Other countries groom their kids. that The ultimate sure. honor is to play for Team Canada or to play for Argentina. And that's something that what Coach Showalter faces when, when they're across the, you know, overseas playing in the, world championships and U16, U17 is those kids. That's the top of them. That's the, the top level for their country. And for our guys, it is the top level, but it's not the end goal. And what USA basketball has done is kind of adopted some of the stand standards and procedures of other countries. And our thing is we want to get as many kids involved playing basketball because we want people to love the game of basketball. Um, we hear it across the country, the shortage of officials. Well, you know what? We all can't play forever. And some of us just don't want to coach. But, you know, what if we, what if a kid falls in love with the game and decides, you know what? I can, I can still love the game and be an official and, or just be a fan. You know, that's what we need on so many different levels. And that's one of the things that they really preach. And I fell in love with and came back to uh, my community and, said, hey, here's the vision we're going to follow. And, and, of course, with any change is hard. And with any change, you meet some resistance and some animosity because it's not the, the way we've always done it. Well, when you look across the country, the way we've always done it's not really working because there's only going to be one Michael Jordan. There's only one LeBron James, only one Kobe Bryant. How many kids have we ruined trying to make the next one of those guys because of our play first elite mentality, you know, how many, how many kids could we have really impacted that for a love of the game that we just teach and teach them to play. And before they have to go play and we stop selling the dream of elite and we sell the dream of you can fall in love with this game and it'll love you back. And, and that's what we're trying to do here. And I'm excited. Our, we had a great turnout first. Our first meeting was Sunday um, not really knowing what was going to happen. We had over 120 kids in the gym. Um, I played <laughs> sharks and minnows with second graders, dribble tag, <laughs> you know, and, right. but the thing was kids left smiling, parents left smiling and those kids want to come back. And that's all we're, that's, that's what it's about is falling in love with the game and getting kids that want to play basketball. 
Yeah, it's funny. I'm a K five PE teacher, Greg. So I, I, you know what? We play tag every day. Best job in and the world. Oh man, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this, but I love working with that age group, but it's also part of my feeder system. Um, you know, working with those kids, building relationships, but you're right though. Um, I'm involved in AAU basketball and so forth, but I think the play mentality is absolutely absurd. I, I just think it's getting abused. You have kids playing 50, 60 games uh, and not getting better. I mean, what, what's your, what's, what's going on with that? What do you think? You know, I heard, and I had a great conversation with a big time coach in the SEC and he made a comment that stuck. <laughs> that was, it is cheaper for him to go watch LeBron James or Steph Curry than it is to get into a, a high profile AAU tournament. You know, right. I mean, these, these tournaments are charging coaches $450 for a packet. And sometimes the packet's wrong. And uh, I think the thing is when you look at our game, there's only two levels of our game that co that really have a great relationship. And that's high school and college, because they're the only two levels that you practice more than you get to play. Sure. And that's what kids love about the summer because it's just go out and play. Um, that's what a lot of high school coaches hate about the summer because they're just playing. They're not really working. Um, you know, I can, I can take a kid in the gym and we can spend an hour driving left. The minute I put a defender on him with someone in the crowd, they're going right because it, you, you don't, these kids don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to, you know, fail. They don't. And so that's always been the struggle is finding the balance. Um, there's a lot of good AAU. You know that there's a lot of bad AAU. Sure. We all know that. Um, just the balance is I think what we're all after. I'm, I'm really excited to see what the NCAA is going to do. Um, I'm hoping that they'll give USA basketball number one time to get it right. And then number two, the power to get it right. Because you've got some great people at USA that love kids, love basketball. And um, that, that's the thing. So let's just get it right for these guys. we got kids coming back to school in August that have played, like you said, 50 or 60 games, and they're physically ill because they're, yeah. they're, they're worn down. Their bodies are defeated. And there's not a college program in the country that would put their students through what we put a, what AAU and – what we put the requirements some we put on these kids. So we got to find a way to make it better. And I, I think we are, I'm, I'm optimistic about the game. Um, sometimes I come across as pessimistic and complaining and I'm trying to change that outlook, but I met a lot of great people this summer that are involved with AAU and summer basketball. And I really think we're about to see one of the best generations of basketball come through the United States in a long time. Yeah, and I love what you're all doing uh, with USA Basketball. I mean, I don't know how many podcasts I listen with Don Showalter. That guy is, I mean, I mean, what a great fit for USA Basketball. He's, he's the perfect person for that. The, the, thing, uh, which, the thing you'll love about that show is he'll pick the phone up and text me, and I'm a high school coach in Arkansas, and he'll text me and spend as much time answering my questions as he would – when his next phone calls, Jay Wright or Coach K, or or right. you know, or Mr. Colangelo, you know, I mean, he is, he's who I want to be when I grow up. I tell him that, you know, I mean, he's, <laughs> he has the demeanor and the and just a great teacher of the game. And you know, I, I first I met Show at at Snow Valley. I got a chance to go work there, and uh, you talk about a culture change and and inspiring and learning how to teach the game. Uh, this is my seventeenth year coaching. I tell people that it's only my seventh year teaching. 
because I didn't really learn to teach the game until I went to Snow Valley. Sure. And, and so that was a big impact on my life and my my mentality, my my outlook on things. So, Coach, tell me about Snow – I mean, I've heard so much about it, um, all the great coaches that are out there. Tell me, tell me about Snow Valley and a coach like myself. Um, I mean, uh, can we go out there and observe and what's, what's going on? I mean, can, cause I, I would love to see what's going on at Snow Valley. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. So I tell people it's your ultimate basketball experience for a coach, but it's not for everybody. Um, first day you show up at noon, you go through a coach's meeting, you're on the floor at one. You get off the floor about 10 o'clock that night, and then the fun starts. Um, we do defensive stations at 6.30 in the morning before breakfast. You defend before you eat. And uh, it's around a 14-hour day, four days a week. Um, kids are from all over the country. It's in July, which means there's a lot of kids that are on travel teams, and the kid right. you're getting wants to get better. And that's what makes it so refreshing. You're dealing with a young man or young lady that wants to work their way into being the sixth man, not the kid out chasing exposure. And it's, uh, it's repetition upon repetition upon repetition. Um, it's as old school as you can get, you know, but the level of teachers, you'll have guys like myself in high school, you'll have small college, um, Dave Severance from the LA Clippers. You know, my, my sons two summers ago got to learn shooting from Mike Procopio, who is the skills coach sure. for the Mavericks. You know, what, what, where else do you get that? You know, and it's they give back. Um, the relationships have just been, have been the best for me. Um, just being around such great teachers and think and guys that love the game. It's, uh, I mean, it, it changed me as a coach. And yeah, I mean, we, we love having young coaches come and, um, but again, you know, we tell everybody it's not for everybody. It's people get there and they think they ask me, you'll go, you go sleep in a dorm and eat dorm food for four days, you know, <laughs> and, and I come home and I'm almost in a basketball depression because every, every conversation is about basketball, everything we do. Yeah. And it just, I mean, I, it's one of those tough subjects I get emotional talking about because, you know, it, you're learning from the best and it's as much as it is for the kids. It's, I feel like it's a coach's camp too, where you just go and fall in love with it. So. Yeah. And it keeps you sharp, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about it. That, that would be awesome to go to. Yeah. You know, like Tate's lock is there and Tate's is another mentor of mine. And I mean, you're looking, you know, when Tate tells you a story and he says, you know, well, I got this from Johnny. He's not talking Johnny down the road. He's talking John Wooden. And, you know, I mean, they got when he was learning in the cat, you know, from the very top of the game and from the godfathers and the pillars of basketball, and those are the guys there. I mean, you know, this camp started in 1961 and in, in started out in California in 1961. And when uh, Coach Showalter was on staff and he brought it back to Iowa and, you know, it's just – you talk about some of the names that have been there. Like there's a, uh, there's a t-shirt floating around that I'm trying to get a hint, <laughs> try to get a hold of. Cause this was, I think the 55th year anniversary. Um, wow. 
but it has every coach that's worked the Snow Valley um, where it started in, San, in Santa Barbara's where it began. And I've been fortunate enough I got to work at that one. So there's a T-shirt walking around with every coach that's been there, and, and it goes from John Wood to Bob Knight, and somewhere on there it says Greg White. And I'm like, I, I mean, I just want the shirt just to have, you know. So, hey, yeah. Legends. <laughs> I don't know about that. It more, I, I think if you said legends with my name and those guys, somebody tell you it was a typo. So, <laughs> yeah, that that that's cool. That'd be a great shirt to have. Oh, I mean, just, that that that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, I, <laughs> and listen, I've got a. Uh, you know, the thing that we love so much about Snow Valley is the culture. Uh, cutthroat is the the main thing. That's how you end every camp is with the game of cutthroat. And there's less we, there's less guys that have cutthroat na- like T-shirts than there are that win national uh, NBA championships and national <laughs> championships. I mean, it's you can't buy the shirt. You got to earn it. You got to win it. And, it, you know, it's it's the coolest thing in bas- in summer basketball to me. I mean, it's to see kids get that shirt and you hear stories of kids never wearing it and it being framed in their house. And I mean, just, it's, it's a neat experience. It's a culture thing. It's a very big culture thing. So. Hey coach, tell me, because I heard you talking about in one of your podcasts, um, we, we run cutthroat, but I'm curious, you know, if it's different than what we do, how do we do it? Tell us a little bit about the cutthroat. Okay. Um, we run it almost every day in practice. And I don't. I think there's not a better way to teach basketball on than cutthroat on the offensive end. Um, has three main rules. It's four on four. You can have as many four on four teams you want. We usually have three to four teams, um, which that way it, it keeps. On four situation where yeah. players come out and. There's three major rules. Every time you catch, you got to square up, meaning triple threat. The next one is when you pass, you have to cut or move with purpose. And my favorite rule, which is a pillar of our program at West High School, and might be the best rule we, we instill is you thank the passer. So if I pass to you and you score, your immediate point, hey, good pass. If you don't, okay. team, team gets kicked off, basket doesn't count. Uh, you talk about a way to teach unselfishness and being Absolutely. a great teammate. And when we opened up our school two years ago, it was the first thing we did, and we stressed it. It got It's to the point that my seniors had just left in pregame warm-ups, pass, hey, good pass. Every pass and they made a shot was, hey, good pass. And it became just what brought – it binds your team together. And so – Square up, pass and cut, thank the passer. And that's your basketball rules. And you can – we play for time. We play to score. Uh, we compete. Kids love it. And it's really a really a great thing. And you score, you stay on, I'm assuming, score, right? Score, you can stay on. You can flip it and play defensive rules too, wherever the team's move okay. to half court. So you get stops and stay. Um, team score, they get to stay on. But, you know, it's – I love, and you can be as strict on it. Like early, we're awful, but to them, I mean, we we barely get four possessions because you didn't square up. You know well, what? I don't know. You didn't square up. Your eyes didn't go to the rim. You didn't catch in the shooting position. You know, you put the ball over your head, yeah. and so it's able. You're able to really teach, and and do some wonderful things with it. But if I could only do one thing every day in practice, I'd play cutthroat. That would be it. I love that. Yes, 
Uh, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about your DNA drills. I'm gonna, I, and I appreciate you sending those to me. Um, and, um, I, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that later. Greg, I, I run a, a legends clinic here. It's my third annual clinic. And I, I do it because I like to honor the coaches from the past. Um, and we have coaches, we have, for example, we have one coach, AC McCullers out here is coached for 50 years uh, and still coach. And uh, what, what, how, what in Arkansas, what kind of clinics do you have? Is it a teaching environment in your state or is it like Georgia where it's all football and there's not a lot of clinics? What's going on with uh, Arkansas so, clinics? So in Arkansas, I'm, I tell people this, like the only reason high school football is not on Sunday is because the pastor didn't want to make, doesn't want to make the choice. He knows where the congregation would be. He just didn't want to miss out too. And so we're, uh, but we're, you know, the basketball is getting really good. Um, we have great coaches here that, uh, love the game, study the game. We, um, our coaches association just finished a clinic, um, on Monday of this week. Um, I, I wasn't able to attend this year, but they, uh, you know, I think we're, we're fortunate and he's a friend of mine. I think the best, one of the best basketball minds in the country, maybe in the world is Mike neighbors. And he's back home as the university yeah. of women's Arkansas coach. So, you know, he spoke, um, and Mike's done very well helping coaches in the area. But we have a summer camp, our summer clinic in June that our association puts on. And then we have a fall from the Basketball Coach Association. So there's two major ones each year. Um, but you'll find there's a good group that will always get together and want to talk basketball. And it's getting better. Um, you know, we are in the South. That football is religion. But we've got really good basketball players and coaches and it's um it's changing around here. I, I really, you know, I, I had to, I spoke with a friend today, um, on on high school football, and I'm a big football fan. Love high school football. Love college football. But there's a reason it's dying. Just like on the girls' side of basketball, like volleyball's taking over because yeah, our society's changing, and volleyball's a non-contact sport. You know, I mean, right. and, and the girls don't want to get hit, and people don't want their kids getting hit so much, and it's. You know, we, we kind of debated that. He's a football guy, and I love it. But I'm like, hey, your sport's dying because there's a lot of things going on that, you know, people don't like and can't control. But basketball is – we're living in a time right now we're seeing the best players come through. And, and that's a hot topic. People want to debate decades and eras. and But we, the best players are playing right now. I mean, they're so skilled. They're so fast, athletic. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yes, and, and I coach uh, – it's funny when you say that. I coach girls, so it, volleyball is huge and softball is even bigger. Yes. Uh, and I got a – I got a recruit within my own school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and it's tough. But, uh, yeah, it's a contact sport now. You play – it's rough. And you, you have to teach toughness with your kids as far as physical contact. But um, that, that's another issue. Coach, tell me about I, – I, I was listening to, um, again, one of your podcasts. One of my coaches um, that I spoke with, Gene Duren, a good friend of mine, has won six state titles. He believes in telling his, his players the absolute truth and trying to build relationships. He doesn't fool around. Do you feel like being truthful with your players can further their, their development? Yeah, and, and that um... – that's one of the, the blueprints of our culture was we're going to tell you the truth. Um, 
know, whether it's the parents, players, we're going to be honest and we're going to tell you where you're at, where you can be. Uh, we're going to love you where you're at, but we're not going to accept where you're at. We're going to show you what you can be. And that's what our, our job as coaches and mentors is to help you grow into that role. And it's painful at times. Um, people don't want to hear it. You know, when you not, and you know, and it's, there's so much of it that's delivery too. That's what we explained to them too. We're not coming in going to tell you your kid's awful. I mean, you know, but we're going to tell you, look, he's got to get better at this. And it's someone's baby all the time. And they expect, you know, well, they want to be good. Well, I want them to be good too, but they're not because they don't work at this or they don't. And so we tell the truth uh, and, and explain to them. It's, it's not a heart, like the word harsh truth is not, I mean, we don't believe that it's the truth. It depends on if you want to listen to it or not and, and grow from it. And just like with us, like we're truthful with our staff. Um, we're looking at some things and guys I work with, they're like, that won't work. And I need to hear that. You know, I don't need to hear, Oh yeah, it's great. And then January it's not working. And, you know, we're wondering why, but if, and so you got to trust your staff, your, your staff has to trust you, your players have to trust you. And, and it just builds all the relationships. So, you know, one of the things for us with truth, um, we, I'm a, I'm a coach that'll talk about playing time. Now I won't discuss another player, but I'll discuss playing time with your son and you're going to hear what I have to say. And you don't have to like it, but you're going to hear what I, what I believe and what I tell them. And so when a parent says, Hey, I want to talk to you about, you know, Johnny's not getting to play. Okay. Well, here's the thing. You've got to come three days in a row to practice because that's a commitment from them. If you're really upset about your son not getting to play, I, I need you to take three days away from your job to come watch three days of my job. Right. But, you know, we've all seen this too, where a parent will show up and the kid throws it in behind over the backboard, kicks it in. He can't miss that day. And you look like an idiot for not playing him. So three days, <laughs> you know, the first day he might make shots. Second day, I'm going to put a better defender on him. If he's still making shots, the third day, I'm going to put my best guy on him and I'm going to make sure that I'm right. You know, and, and that's, that's the thing that, you know, we, we make sure that they give us three days, but we tell them, we're going to tell you the truth. You know, did, did your, is your son upset about not playing? Well, he hadn't really talked about it. Well, then it's a pride issue for you, sir, or ma'am. It's not about him. The, the kids know most of the time, you know, and, and so that's the thing. Like we, we tell them in our parent meeting, Hey, if you ask a question, expect the truth. Don't expect us to try to make it, you know, feel better. Um, we're going to tell you exactly what we believe and what's going on in our program and, so far, it's been good for us. I mean, we've had a couple issues where you deal with that parent, but the truth's not good enough. And you don't, and then I, I ask them, well, what do you want me to make the truth be? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what I'm telling you is the truth and you don't want to hear it. So tell me how to make what answer I need to give you, you know, for you, for you to be happy. And then they just kind of look at you like, well, that's not what I want to hear either. And I'm, then it usually goes away. So. Yeah, and that's a, that's another podcast, right, Greg, on how to deal with parents. Oh, it's uh, uh, diffusing you know, bombs. I haven't figured that out. Um, I guess tell me about what how you do that. I mean, you have a a, a lot of communication meetings. Um, I mean, uh, what do you do to kind of improve that that message? I think the first thing is you got to be honest up front. Um, you know, I don't know if other coaches do this, and here's kind of a little coaching note for you. We record every parent meeting, uh, our, our big parent meeting at the beginning of the year, and we keep them four years. Um, so I record the parent meeting, and it's me up there talking, and we've got you know our handouts or whatever, and the parents are there because I never want a parent to come back and say, hey, well, you said this. No, I didn't. I, you know, I can show you what we said. 
and you know our parent meeting is very to the point here's what we're doing um we send i send christmas practice schedule out actually it'll go out next week because you know in high school basketball we we straddle the holidays thanksgiving and christmas and we hey you need to tell grandma you can't be there because we play the 27th we're going to practice the 26th you know and Oh, we didn't know. Sure. Well, no, you did know. You found out in September, you know, and and so we try to over communicate that. But uh, the big thing is just like in any job, you know, this is a job for those. And we treat our players like an employee. Um, you know, if the we hey, if your son has a problem, ask him did he talk to coach to Coach White. If he says no, refer him to Coach White. You don't need to step in. And then now, if he doesn't, if he comes back and doesn't feel comfortable, then yeah, call me. Or even if you send me a text or call and says, hey, you know, Giants will come by and talk to you today. Perfect. You know, that, that's not going to upset me or put me defensive. I want to know what's going on. If he you come back, he, he doesn't have an answer he wants, now you both come. You know, but most of the times, like I said earlier, the, the kids know. The kids know why they're not playing. They don't, you know, it's parents find out they're not playing because, they, you know, kids come home and kids are horrible communicators. Like we're, we're studying right now. Um, the the IY generation uh, Mike Neighbors talked about that book with our staff and that's what we're looking at is you know they can't look you in the eye and answer a question but they can send you the most elaborate text or email because that's just that's how they communicate and that's how they communicate and yeah. so we're trying to uh, you know trying to make sure they understand what's going on and we, and we talk to our kids about their roles and what they can be and I think a lot of it though is you just got to train you're training parents too you know especially if they've never had a kid in your program. Um, it's all, all coaches are different, you know, coaches that say, I will not talk about playing time. Well, what are you hiding? You know, I mean, that's my question. Like, why, why can't you tell them the kid can't dribble with their left hand? That's why I can't play him. Cause he can only play on one side of the floor. Like, why, tell them that, you know, like that, that, that open door takes everything away from you because now there's no speculation. Well, how come he's not getting to play? Well, coach said he can't dribble his left hand. Well, work on dribbling with your left hand. You know, I mean, that's, it's so easy. I mean, to be to just have a blunt truth with them, um, it changes a lot of things for everybody. And so, that's what we encourage from with our players. And players want to ask us questions, we'll answer them. Um, you know, like I said, it's the IY generation. You cannot lie. You know, my coach could tell me, "Oh, I did this." All right, I gotta believe him. Well, if I say, "Hey, I, I think this is what we should do," or "I did this," they're gonna pull out Google as soon as they hit the locker room and, ch- and fact check me. And if I lied or missed it up a little bit, then, you know, they're, they'll point it out. So it's, <laughs> it's a different generation for sure. Yeah, and I love that what you were talking about was early communication. Give the whole schedule early. I, I, I can definitely relate to that because uh, that's what I'm doing right now because we're actually going to uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama uh, for a trip. And, you know, hey, we're, we've been setting it up for like two months. Sure. Uh, but you don't want any surprises with parents, uh, particularly nowadays. Coach, tell me about um, – I'm a big believer that most programs, I, I guess and maybe that's my own philosophy, have what we call a 10-80-10 breakdown of players. 10, 10% of them are just unbelievable workers, elite workers, 80% are average, and then you have 10% that are just underachievers. Um do you do you think that's true? Um, and I believe that you want to get those eighty percent over to the, your top ten percent, and that's where leadership comes in. That's what we try to teach our players. What do you what do you believe in that? I think you're pretty spot on with your numbers. Um, you know, the the term "working hard" is so like 
we were talking to a young man that's in college and, you know, and it kind of makes you look at yours, but you know, our, our level's different. And he's talking about how hard the workouts are and well, yeah, it's the next level up. You should be harder, you know, but he was a pretty hard worker in high school, but I don't think he ever really pushed himself to that next level. And a lot of that comes from internal, you know, like you got to learn to talk to yourself, not listen to yourself type thing. And so, you know, like you're talking about with the numbers, I, I totally, I, especially the 10% that underachieved because there's so many that could be so good, but let's face it, basketball is a boring game. You have to got, you have got to be great at boring things. You have to be okay with being in the gym, doing the same rep over and over. I mean, it's boring stuff. And, you know, I mean, we, I, we have a couple of, uh, skill development guys in the area. I mean, one's really, really good. He works with our guys. He's who I recommend because he, he was a former college coach. He was a former high school coach. He's going to talk like we talk as coaches. But then you got the guys that want to entertain. And, you know, the, and that's why kids go and parents go because they really think, oh, well, look at this workout we did. You know, they're dripping with sweat and they were going all through these cones. And like, yeah, but they can't do None of that works in the game. Like, you know, like. Like you taught this great move, and you never once mentioned that there's a help defender right there that he's not getting to the rim, you know. And, right. And so it's just it's a boring game, but you got to fall in love with the boring stuff, and and that's the hard part is for that ten percent is just they get bored and they want to do something else, or they get bored and you know the coach calls it up and hey we we huddle up in the practice, good job, and they're the first ones to hit the locker room at the door because it's either girlfriend or Fortnite or something going on that. It's more entertaining, and it's a boring game to get good at. But the ones that fall in love with the boring, that's the guys that are special, and they're the ones that, you know, uh, you can see the difference in. But like you were saying, the hard part is how do I get the mass to follow, to go to the top end? Because right, that's always our biggest concern with practice and with any team. There's going to be five people really happy. There's probably six, <laughs> seven, and eight that are really happy if you have an eight-man rotation. How do you keep nine and ten working their tail off every day for you when you have an eight-man rotation? Those are the kids that you got to find a way to inspire, and I don't think I do a very good job of that. I think a lot of coaches miss that too, is nine and ten allow you to work with one through eight. How do you show nine and ten how important they are? And then, you know, 11, 12, 13, you hope those are the kids that are in waiting and, and they're learning how to work while they wait. But that that's the magic key, I believe, is finding a way to, from number nine through 13, can you keep them happy? Can you get them better that they're able to move into those other spots and, and keep your program? I mean, that's where the sustained success comes from. Yeah, that's, that's the tough part of the job, isn't it, Greg? I mean, uh, given all those kids a specific role and expectations, uh, that's hard to do for the the bottom the bottom kids on that. You're a practice player. These are the things that we want from you at practice. That's a hard sell. I know. I know. I know. People teach that, but that's a hard sell for a high school kid. Yeah, and that's a special kid. Um, we had a young man who's uh, actually going into coaching. He's at at BYU at BYUI, and one of his roles was we gave him a scouting report. And so he would study it just like a coach. He would study just like the players. And, you know, he sat toward the end of the bench. Well, when we were on our end, you know, whatever in the first half when it was defense, 
he was coaching his teammates on who they were guarding. You know, wh- whatever side of the floor those kids were on, he knew he had studied. And he could, you know, he would be talking and he'd be like, Kevin, hey, this, hey, he's remember he's a shooter. You know, he, he, make him drive, make him drive. And then, you know, when we go to offense, you know, he would know the kid. And like, hey, you got him on a drive. You know, he's slow. And I mean, just – but it, that's how we kept him bought in. And you talk about, you know, the coaching box gets small and you can't roll, you know, and you talk about having another kid that was that bought in. Like, that was special. Uh, that was the neat thing about our team last year. We – if I charted how many times we had genuine – enthusiasm for our team it would be off the charts because whether it was a layup a dunk a block shot a charge it wasn't I'm not a big fan of corporate celebration where you know and and it works for some teams and that's fine I'm not going to say it's right or wrong but I'm not it doesn't work for my personality where you sub and everybody stands up and they walk down they slap hands they walk back sit down because a lot of times you know they don't want to do it the kids don't and the kids on the bench but when it's authentic I mean, a kid takes a charge, and we've got, you know, 12 guys on the bench high-fiving, and I would – I'd loved – last year I would get so many warnings. Coach, tell your team to sit down. I'm like, I'm not telling them to sit down. I'm not telling them to sit down. If you want to whack them, you go ahead and whack our team, and that's fine. You know, but I'm not going to tell a kid to not – because those, that's what referees don't understand is those kids on the bench work their tail off, and that is their part of their game right now is to keep their teammates inspired and, and to be into it mentally. I mean, if they got to sit there and just watch, it's, it's awful. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, of course, we're again, we're not going to get in the referees and so forth. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah, you're. Um, I, I've seen that so many times because our our benches and we're very enthusiastic. But I, I think you're definitely doing the right things because I I really study coaches. The one the toughest teams to play against are the teams that have really. First of all, they're, they're deep bench-wise, but their whole team is spirited. But particularly at the girls' level, when I see a team and all those girls are holding hands and they're they're enthusiastic, that's a good team. Yes. And that's good coaching. Yes. Uh, it's just a little thing, right, right, Greg? I mean, uh, you don't see that that often, though, in high school, but I noticed the really great teams, the well-coached teams, do that. And, and that's where – so, you know, when we build our program, um, the school's only been open three years. And it, there was, I really didn't want the job, to be honest. Um, I had a great job 10 minutes down the road uh, at a smaller school. And when I, the more I talked to the, I called, I called the, the AD trying to fill the job out for a friend of mine. And the longer the conversation went on, I realized he was kind of filling me out because I had been an assistant in the league. And th- there was just something about it that kind of drew me to the, to the job and, um, uh, you know, I'll never forget. We had scheduled the new the, the school I'm at now. My previous school, I had scheduled them for their first ever home game, and the uh, superintendent, Mr. Poor, asked me, you know, kind of a, a question I didn't really like to answer. He was like, "When, you know, when this is over, how what's going to happen?" And I looked at him and I said, "I'm still going to win the first game in that gym," and and I stood up, shook hands with him, and smiled, and you know, we walked out and. It, uh, you know, I, the rest is history. I got the job. We actually did, we did win. I beat, we beat our old school in that job in that first game. But the thing about the kids was, you know, the, the Bentonville is a very successful town. I mean, it's, it's home of Walmart. That's the home office there. That's why Bentonville's exploded and, and it's great. And, but my AD is amazing. He's got, he's led great programs on every level. They went state championships. That basketball team had played in back to back state championships. 
So when they split, there was some animosity because you're taking the top and cutting it, you know, and most times that happens. Sure. Like for us in our yeah. classification, the last school that had opened, it took them three years to get a conference win and six years to make the state tournament. And so accepting the job, I came into it knowing I'm probably never going to be here when this place wins. You know, I'm either going to, I'm either going to burn out or they're going to burn me out. And, uh, uh-huh. but the backside of that story is, I had applied for a head job in the, in the same conference um, three years ago and been turned down told I wasn't ready. So there was a little bit of chip on my shoulder and sure. uh, the players that we, that came with us, we had no one with varsity experience except for some mop up time. And they had all been told they would, well, it's a good thing the school's opening because you're not going to be good enough to play here. So they had a chip on the shoulder. And so it was like, if I could have handpicked kids that, would listen and buy into me and, and my personality. And um, one of the best compliments I've ever gotten from a guy was that team look, that team plays like you act. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, they, he said, that's part of the, they're an extension of you from player one to player 15. They all act the same. They all love each other. They're tough, their body. And, and uh, you know, that was how we started. And we all came in with this chip on our shoulder that we're going to prove people wrong. And year one, we make the state tournament. Uh, we made it again last year. Um, you know, we're we're ahead of curve of the curve if you look at what we're supposed to be doing. But the cool thing was, people like our kids believe we're supposed to win, and and we did. And that's kind of what we've built on here is just that culture of caring about each other. And that was what was so different was we didn't. It was never forced. You know, the, the only thing that was forced was thank the pastor because it's com- part of cutthroat. From that point on, though, once they realize you've got to thank the passer to win the game, they thank the passer mean, and fell in love with loving each other, and that's how we're going to win games. And that's that's kind of what led our, our culture of our team to where we are now. Yeah, it's almost like a perfect storm, it sounds like. I don't know all the details, but it just sounds like everybody had – if you have an edge, Greg, I mean – if you have the kids with an edge and the coaching staff and all that, you guys were on one mission. It sounded like, I mean, oh, it was just almost like a perfect storm. Yeah. You know, we, we <laughs> joked about it, about how we, this would have been a great 30 for 30, you know, not because of us, but just <laughs> yeah. because we are like, man, like this, it all just made sense, you know, and how things and roster changes. And, and that was the hard part was we do some, uh, we, we had to make some tough changes um, because when you open without seniors, nobody's leaving, but we knew we had good young ones coming and we had to have some tough conversations with kids that had been on our roster as juniors and expecting, but they, the positive thing was we did it early. We did it right. Two of uh, two of the three, one decided went to football, which is great for him. The other two actually moved to other schools and one, you know, and they're good players. It's just, they're six, one and the guy in front of them, six, five, you know, and we're like, look, I mean, I, I think you're a good player, but I, I can't promise you minutes. I can't promise the goal you want. And, you know, looking back, I mean, it's one of our best things we've done, you know, and, and yeah, there were some hurt feelings and, but we were truthful. We helped the young men and they're having success. One's playing in college right now. It's awesome. And for him sure. and, I don't know. It's just right now where we're at, it feels, I mean, it, we know we're doing the right thing. We know we're handling things the right way. We know we're treating kids the right way. And we're just really, really excited of, of what the future holds for our program. 
on that same line, I, um, and this is another reason why I wanted to talk to you. Um, I started a program. I'm at a, a charter school in Greensboro, Georgia, near Atlanta. And we started, uh, I was the first coach in the, in the school's history. Um, and I heard you mentioning uh, that you were excited about that. I mean, isn't that, I mean, how exciting that is be the first coach. And that's why I took the job, but I knew it was going to be a building process. Tell me, I kind of, when I came in, I kind of put together a five-year action plan. And now we're in year three. Tell me what you did, like in your first hundred days, what was your, your action plan for building really from scratch? So going into the job, um, I was trying to, you know, it's just like an interview, what's, what's going to set me apart. And I got to go to the, to the, um, to the job site. The school wasn't even complete yet. And I got to put a, uh, they hand me a hard hat and it <laughs> just was like, you know, I mean, I, and I wouldn't, I don't, I don't believe I'm a religious person. I believe I'm a spiritual person. I pray every day, you know, and I, and it was one of those things where it was just that one of those moments where blueprint popped in our mind. We're the, blue, sure. we're the blueprint of the program. And that's exactly what we did. We came up with a program blueprint from day one. And we talked about goals of, you know, winning a home game. You know, and the thing, you've got to be patient with common sense. That's what I tell people about building a program. The number one thing I learned was patience with common sense. Because we all want to go out there. And if I ask a young coach, hey, what do you want to do? you know, this year, one win state championship. Well, can you really win a state championship? I mean, honestly, do you, if, if you look at where you're at, like, can you win one? Like, what, have you seen your players, you know, and don't, don't, and I tell them, don't give me that answer. Don't, don't talk to me and coach talk, you know, like talk, let's talk and tell me. And so, you know, our blueprint, our first thing was culture. And, and it's such a buzzword, you know, I, 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 I hate to use the word argue, but I, I talk on Twitter about culture and guys will come at me and so give me talent. Okay. Well, and so I have a, my easy response, 2004, you know, and they kind of, it waits about 10 minutes and then they're like, what's that mean? Well, 2004 in the Olympics, we sent 12 pros, the 12 best players in the country and got beat. So, so tell me about talent again. Just if talent, just always going to be, you know, our, you know, we lose Puerto Rico. We lose the Argentina because Manu is leading that team and playing with passion because he had a, it was the culture of their basketball and, 2004 changed everything for us. We, we got beat and we said, we'll never get beat again. And now you have gold standards. And but going back to us. That was, that was a thing, culture. And like, where can we actually win? Well, we can win three places. We can win in the community. We can win in the classroom and we can win on the court. And so we started trying to. Then it was the classroom you know, let's have excellence and let's really try to build that. Um, and then, you know, and we obviously y'all went on the court and we started winning on the court. We didn't know how to win early. We lost a lot of games that we just didn't know how to win. And the following year, you know, we, we won some championships and tournaments and things like that. But for us, the big thing was just, we wanted people to know who we were. Like we didn't want to be known as the new school. Um, you know, we came in with a plan and literally I didn't have a hundred days marked off, but we had the first 30 days and it was getting into the junior highs, getting, um, and, you know, in front of coaches, in front of youth coaches, in front of the mayor, in front, we just tried to do everything we could, you know, to get our new logo out to everybody to see. And 
that was that was kind of what it all started for us. But defining our success was the big thing. Um, really knowing like what we could do, what not setting, you know, not bringing the kid in and saying, "Hey, uh, hey, man, we're going to win a state championship." You know, we didn't know if we were going to win a conference game. That again, I refer like the other teams that have their brand new years. Like one year they went, they didn't win a game. They went one in twenty. You know, they were at one point they were one in forty. You know, and and that's just that was a real um, possibility for us. Was how patient can we be? Can we build this? Because what now? You know, we kind of had that fear. We started winning and had some success, and all of a sudden now we're like, wait a second, we didn't want to be the one hit wonder. You know, I uh, <laughs> in Cleveland last month I spoke on on building our program and. I asked this question all the time. I'm like, who all's over, you know, who all knows who right said Fred is? Well, a couple of guys raised their hand. Oh yeah. That's a guy saying I'm too sexy. I'm like, great. Yeah, he did. Tell me another song he sang. And he, the room goes quiet. And I'm like, nobody wants to be right. Said Fred and coaching, you know, like even <laughs> the guys I know that have won one state championship, they're hungry for another one. You know, they just don't rely on the fact, well, I won one, you know, because there's so much that goes into it, but it was, I mean, I wouldn't call it divine, but there was a lot of, a lot of time spent, um, People ask questions like, God, oh, you, you took forever to answer this. Well, I did because we were the first, like you said, every decision you're making affects your program for a long time. And, you know, that was, we're ahead on a lot of things. Like I think year three was our, uh, this year, our goal, I think was to finish in the top of the league, top half of the league. And we did that last year. And so, you know, there's things that we're trying to get built and, you know, it's it's so easy to get ahead of things and talk. Um, people people expect things. We're a Google society. I can give you an answer. I don't have to work at it. You know, if you ask me a question, I don't know. I said, well, give me a second. I pull my phone out. I have the answer in, in 10 seconds, you know. And the funny thing, uh, we we get so impatient. Like, you know, guys will grab their phone and type in an answer. And, you know, if the little spin, wheel starts spinning or something's going, they'll just end it put in their pocket and and when you think about it, your phone's connecting to a satellite in space like i mean how much you know you you can wait you know i mean but yeah that, that's the thing like just the patience with common sense became a big thing for us and i don't remember who who said it or where i found it but i found a quote about you know rome wasn't built in a day but they did lay bricks every day they laid bricks every hour yeah and, i like and it so that was i don't know it's uh it's still a. There's still things we deal with. We didn't. We're not not sure how to handle because it's new. Um, we spend a lot of time and thought and every decision still, but everything comes back to what's good for the program. Does it help our team? And how does it affect the player? And that's our. That's kind of our every time we answer a question like that. Yeah, you're all about the process, and I know it's kind of a cliche word, but the process. You're not. It's funny when you don't focus on winning how well your team does. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of coaches I have spoken with, and, man, they they come out right away. Of course, they have a lot of talent. They say, man, we, we want to win. I mean, we're not afraid to talk about winning. Uh, that, that, that That's interesting, but I guess you have to have – I guess if you have the talent, maybe that puts extra pressure on the kids, makes them – I don't know. But uh, I do not focus – I focus on winning the day and, and winning – the competition, winning the drill, winning the practice. I don't, 
I really don't talk about region and state championships. Maybe one day we will here, but what's your, what's your opinion on that? I mean, do you, do you literally talk about winning a lot in your program? No, we talk about doing things the right way. Um, and, and that's what leads to winning. Winning's a byproduct, you know, for us, like, now, I think we do a really good job scouting. I think our coaches work really hard. You know, we're, we feel prepared. Um, but I know there's been some games where I've had a 20-page scouting report and get beat, you know, and you're like, what happened here? Well, it's because we over-prepared, you know, where we didn't, we didn't prepare ourselves. We spent too much time on the wrong thing. And so we just kind of – the big thing for us on that is just, it. you know, if you go out and you prepare the right way, things are going to happen. Um, whether they're supposed to there's um we have a team in our league that's really really good really athletic and we're one in you know one in three against them um and you know the the one was the first time we played them and i think you know they kind of underestimated us we came in we played well we shot well but it's one of those teams that we know right now that uh, this year they're picked to win the league we've got to come out and do some really good things but we can't rely on the three days of preparation before that game, you know, beating them started this summer in the weight room, beating them started this week in skill work, beating them started, you know, when you're getting shots um, in the gym by yourself, you know, and working on, on moves. And, and so it all this goes back to, yeah, you know, trust the process is the big 76ers thing. And people, you know, start trying to talk about that, but it's true. I mean, like very rarely, very <laughs> rarely, unless you get a move in, that's a game changer. I mean, it it has to be about a process for you and your program and, and doing things the right way every single day. Um, I don't call basketball a grind because, I, I mean, grinding sounds painful. I mean, I love my job. I mean, I love the hours I put in. Uh, sure. I, I'm getting better at taking time off, um, giving my kids time off, giving my coaches time off. But winning's a byproduct to me. I mean, you know, I – I would love. I, I would tell people this: if I have to sacrifice our locker room, and knowing that I come home and don't have to worry about getting a phone call about a kid on the weekend or finding something out about someone, I, I'm in. I'm in the wrong level, and I'm on the wrong, and I'm not happy with it. I mean, happiness, knowing that we're going to work with good kids that respect the school, respect the responsibility of the uniform, respect the opportunity they've been given. I mean, that's that's winning in itself, and you know, winning games is just becomes second to doing everything else correct. But I think you win more when you're doing it right. I mean, that's that's you can see that across the board. The coaches that are running their program correct and doing things, um, you know, those are guys that are winning games. Yeah, it sounds like you're all about high virtue, high character, and definitely building your culture on that. I love that. Um, Coach, my final question, because I know you're a busy man. I know you got to go. Um, talk to me about your DNA drills. Uh, I have core drills, but the, for calling it the DNA drills, I love that. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's, uh, that really says a lot. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. I've seen them and so forth. Tell how you put that together and why you do those every day. They are what I believe in. Um, what we kind of based our team off of. And it really just like, it, it to me, it, it defines like the way I describe it is if I was, if none of our coaches were there and we have a substitute teacher came in and said, Hey, your coach said, do your DNA drills. We want the kids to dive into them, do them right. But um, number one, 
you know, is uh, Coach Locke's box drills for footwork, you know, just how important that is and no, no careless turnovers, you know, no travels because of your bad feet. And post-war is one of my favorite because it gives every kid a chance to, to play post-defense. But it, the main areas they cover are defense, rebounding, um, and then Snow Valley cutthroat. And it's something that we find time. Uh, we may not be able to get all six in every day, but we're going to touch as many of them as we can. Some days we just have a DNA drill, and that's the only things we do because you can make them last as long as you want. You can make them as quick. You just review. But the big thing is we really believe in these things. We believe in great footwork. We believe in defending in the post. We believe in rebounding. We believe in guarding the basketball. We believe in closing out every play. And play, and then we believe in playing the right way, which is what Cutthroat teaches. So that's something like our guys, when they leave, we want them to be, you know, you don't want to be a drill All-American and not be able to play. So we select drills that help them become really good players. And these would be it for us. Yeah, I love that. Um, and – I notice a lot of coaches, a lot of their drills don't um, – it doesn't focus on what they're doing in their program, their offense, defensive system, or their culture. Um, and I, I love how you can kind of relate. Everything is connected, right, in your program? Well, the thing, if you call me and say, hey, what's your best shooting drill, I'm probably going to email you back or call you back and say I can't help you because unless you're running the exact offense or set we're running, then the shooting yeah. drills don't match. You know, I'm we don't come down and just – Hey, we're going to run, we're going to do this shooting drill. Well, it does, if it doesn't help our game, like I'm not going to do a shooting drill for elbow jump shots. If we never take an elbow jump shot, you know, like we're going to do the shots that we take in games, game shots, game spots type deal. And yeah, there's some guys that don't and people, you know, these drills are drills that we find ourselves in every day and we mix things up. But if we get really, you know, specific, uh, uh, of, we usually have to have a pen and a piece of paper with us all the time in practice because a lot of drills we develop on the fly. Like, hey, well, what if we did this and still, and we add another ball? Or uh, yesterday we were doing working on some ball screen stuff, and we figured out we also want to drift in the corner. So, hey, let's run a ball screen, you know, have this guy drift, and the kids love it. You know, we're getting more shots, and it's giving us the action we need, building, rep, you know, the repetition, it's building habits. So these drills – you know, they're at our core, they're our core foundation, but we're always adding on top of it and, you know, trying to work on things. But, you know, um, Coach Showalter said in the clinic last month, if if I come to the first 15 minutes of your practice, would I know what you believe in? And if you kind of watch us practice, you're going to find out what we believe in really quick. Yeah, I love that. Um, Coach, I, I sure appreciate it, man. You, you've given me so much knowledge. I appreciate that. And I know the listeners – um, well, absolutely love that. How can the listeners get a hold of you and also give one last piece of advice for a new coach starting out building a program? Okay. Um, you can get, you can reach me, uh, on Twitter at Greg white three, two. Uh, I have a, a website. It's a blog. I, I post things about being a dad, being a coach. Uh, the last thing I think that uh, we put up is about breaking down what a perfect timeout would look like and kind of really digging into topics that we don't, we don't spend a lot of time on as coaches, but that is at three from the corner.com. Uh, the number three from the quarter.com. Um, 
my email is gwhite32 at att.net. Uh, they can drop us a note there. Um, you know, for a new coach, um, I had this conversation with a buddy last night. He got his first head coaching job. And, you know, the, you don't know what you don't know. And the thing on that is, but you can't be afraid to ask. Um, Tate's talks about so many different things. Um, and, and, you know, that's why we, we tell people, I'm very honest with people and tell them like most of the good stuff we've gotten, I've stolen. And then there'll be something I'm like, Hey, is that mine? You know, cause that was that an original thought. I'll Google it, you know, cause that's what you do. And Hey, yeah, it was, yeah. you know, I got lucky, you know, and, but there's things that there, the, with coaches that it's such a great, I, I, I just fall in love with basketball more and more every day um, from, from things like talking with you to, we're, you know, playing Sharks and Minnows with a second grader last week, you know, last weekend. I mean, it's it's the greatest game on the planet. I mean, I, and I tell people that without, you know, not trying to defend other sports or debate it. But I, I think the big thing coaches have got to realize, like, coaches get fired for making bad decisions. And that's whether, you know, and I'm not talking offense, defense, bad decisions are detonated from two factors, ego and panic. And, and that's the thing that I, I, this is my 17th year coaching. And like I said earlier, I've only been a teacher of the game seven years because I, I didn't really know I was a head coach at 22. I would yell, I would yell and look angry because I thought that would make people respect me because, well, if he's mad, he knows what he's talking about. We don't mean you're talking about this means you're loud, you know, and, and so I had to go learn to coach the game and teach the game again. And, you know, I think the big thing for young coaches is don't let your ego get in the way and don't panic. Find an old, find an older coach. Um, I don't, I still think I'm a young coach, but you know, someone like myself, I'll, I don't, uh, you know, I, I love talking basketball and, and I tell people this through emails. If you ask me a question about your program, give me time because I'm not going to give you an answer that I don't have a stake in. You know, don't expect, don't take advice from people that don't have anything to lose by giving it. If you ask me a question, you know, Kevin, you say, Hey, Derek, tell me what you think about this situation, my program. I'm not going to give you that. Well, no, here's what I, I'm going to spend a day putting myself as close as I can in your role and give you the answer. I would hope someone would give me that, you know, that helps you. And so I think the big thing for young coaches, whether it's your first year in a program or first year out of college is you got to find a mentor that will spend time and you can, you know, I still have guys that I call that I don't want to talk to the guys I work with. And I love both of the guys that I coach with. They're great. They would do anything real for me, but there's times I need somebody outside of the, outside of the office to talk to and get their perspective and to, and to tell me, Hey, you need to chill out or, Hey, no, you're right. And, and that, I think that's a big thing is you got to find somebody to lean on. Um, none of us were built by ourselves. You know, I, it, I tell people that all the time. You're you didn't. There's no coach that was ever self-made. It's all from someone else and what someone else has helped you. So, be willing to ask for help, and then when you get a few more gray hairs, and be willing to help. And that would be my advice for for all of us. Yeah, I love that. I think mentorship is really really important, but I think it's lacking a lot. Um, hey, Greg, thank you so much. I I, I appreciate the, your passion. Um, you are definitely protecting the game and keeping it going. And you're also sharing the game. I think that's a ultimate sign of a, of a great coach. I appreciate you taking the time. 
Uh, make sure I'm going to send you a link to our clinic. We're actually live streaming it. Awesome. I can't um, wait. And we, we got some good coaches um, that are, are there. And I just, you know, I love to share with the other coaches on what we're doing. But thank you for sharing with us. And I, I sure appreciate it. And I wish you the best. Thank you so much. Thank you, Coach. All right. Thank you. The five players on the floor function as one single unit. Team, 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 right? No one more important than the other.